this morning, please turn to John chapter 15. We're going to be coming out of John chapter 15 over the next few weeks as we get into and finish up our series on fruitfulness. Fruitfulness. We want to be fruitful. Amen. Hallelujah. We define fruitful, a fruitful person uh, as a person who is one who is implanted and abiding in Christ, growing, increasing, abounding. In other words, there's a moving here, forming. I mean, this is what we're studying: flourishing and reproducing much fruit. Amen. Person who is abounding, growing, and increasing, and reproducing much fruit. Looking in the book of John at this uh, word fruitfulness, and uh, not just that we should bear fruit, but Jesus said we should be full fruitfulness. Come on, how many know that everything God does is it's an overflowing situation? Come on, it's more than enough. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. God doesn't do anything small. When He does it, He does it big. I mean, they talk about the Big Bang Theory, and I say bang, it just kind of makes an echo. When God says bang, I mean stars, the universe, planets, come on, galaxies, come on now. I mean, He does nothing small. This is the God that we're talking about. And Jesus put that DNA in us to reproduce and to be fruitful. Come on, you look, look at your neighbor and say, you're supposed to produce fruit. Come on, you're supposed to produce fruit. Because God has appointed you and anointed you to do that very thing. And so we're looking at that word here out of John chapter 15. And actually, we love the book of John, the Gospel of John. Obviously, we love the whole word of God from Genesis to Revelation. And we love the prophetic word that you get that you know is from the Lord. Come on. Uh, but I really particularly love uh, this book of John. Uh, it really, if, if you uh, are doing devotions, and maybe you don't have a devotion that you are doing right now, I'll tell you one that you can do while we're doing this series. Go through the book of John, chapters 13 through 17, uh, because these particular chapters are specifically important, uh, not only to this series, but some commentators actually call this, uh, these chapters uh, the last discourse. They call it the last discourse because it is all happens the night before the crucifixion. How many know that's an important book for Jesus? Come on. Uh, these chapters happen the night before the crucifixion. And they take place in a very meaningful place, the upper room. If you go back to chapter 13, I mean, it starts as they're going into the room to have the Passover meal together. And Jesus knows that the time is short. He knows that time is winding up. He knows that this is, uh, quote-unquote, the last hour. That's why you'll hear that phrase used throughout these chapters, the last hour. Throughout this discourse, Jesus knows, this is my last, these are my last moments with you. It's my last time with you. And so I want to make it the most important time that I have with you. No miracles. No opening blind eyes. No preaching to the masses, no sermon on the mount, none of that, no parables, just spending time with my friends. And his friends probably thought, well, this is, you know, it's just another time that we're having together, it's another Passover, it's, uh, you know, just another moment that we want to share. But he knew that 
decisions to find the right one. I mean, we predicted his death, didn't we? And they didn't really get it. Just like we probably wouldn't have got it. We wouldn't have gotten full revelation what he was doing. And, and then they go in, chapter 13, they go in and, and they, they sit down to have their meal. And Jesus then throws in another curveball. He says, I'm going somewhere with that already. He says to them, by the way, one of you will be saved. What? Who would do that? Lord, we've been with you. We've been with you these last years. A couple of them might say, well, I knew you when you were born. I knew you from a kid. You, you could save them. Uh, who would do such a thing? He said, the one that I will hand the bread to. He said, break this bread and he hands it to Judas Iscariot. Judas jumps up and runs out of the room. And now they're down to eleven. So I have a few pieces, but he's down to eleven. Remember that. They had twelve, and now they're down to eleven. Before this, though, when they come into the room, another important thing happens. Now that they come into the room, Jesus takes off his outer garment, and he has on his inner garment, and he says, Okay, we're going to have a foot washing. And I'm going to be the foot washer. And so when he says, well, we're going to have a foot washer, they say, okay, that's great, Lord. This is, this is tradition. This is what we do. And he says, I'm going to be the foot washer. Hey, hang on a second. Now, wait a minute. You're a rabbi. You are the Lord. You're the healer. No. And, of course, Peter jumps up and says, no, you're not washing my feet. And he says, well, if I don't wash your feet, you don't have any place with me. Come on. And he says, well, well, well wash my whole body. Then give me a bath. No, I don't need to give you a bath, Peter. Your feet will be enough. And so he does that, and they sit down to dinner, and he goes through the, you will be, someone will betray me, and Judas runs out, and, and now they're all replying back, uh, you know, to, to have the meal. And remember, they started with the traitor, the lost man, one who's with them, but his heart wasn't with them. One who had walked with the other 11 disciples. One who seen every miracle that Jesus did. One who walked the dusty roads with the Lord. One who grabbed hands with the other disciples and future apostles. He walked with them. He saw all of the miracles. In fact, if you remember, I think it was around Matthew chapter 10, where Jesus sent out the disciples. He breathed on them, and he told them to go out to perform miracles. Come on, he told them, heal people, restore people. And this is one of those people. Judas is right there with him. Judas even performed the work. Come on. On the outside, he was a disciple. But on the inside, his heart was far from the Lord. Come on now, he heard the same teaching. He saw the same miracle. He walked those same dusty roads. And now he has to run out of the room because he knows that Jesus is talking about him. And what do the disciples think? I don't know. Maybe they think, well, I wonder why he ran out. I mean, certainly they may be thinking, no, they want to betray him. Jesus has been with us. We have the benefit of looking back. But you understand, they're in the moment. Come on. He wouldn't. Why did he run out? Did he have to use the restroom? What's going on? Is that what that really more wants to get? And so now, 
we fast forward a little bit to where the Passover meal is now finished. They started talking and laughing and, and going through the meal, and now it's finished. And now Jesus starts teaching about the Holy Spirit. He's already taught them about serving, foot washing. Now, about chapter 14, he, he talks about the Holy Spirit. Remember, when I go, I will send the comforter. I will not leave you as fortune. Everything's going to be all right. Take a deep breath, because even though I'm going to be gone, I'm sending someone where you will have power. You will be able to overcome. You'll be able to discern. You'll be able to witness. Come on, you'll still be healed and delivered. And you'll be able to heal and deliver, because I'm sending my spirit. They still didn't get it. Because he said, do you understand what I'm telling you? They said, no, because wherever you go, we'll go with it. He tells where you go, we're going with you. He said, you can't go with me, but I'm sending my spirit. Okay, you're sending your spirit, I get all that, but where you go, we want to go. So they're still not fully getting it. Now, we get to John 15. This is the context for the text. The text is chapter 13 through 17, but in context here, John 15, as it relates to being fruitful, this is, this is where we are. He's giving them his last instruction. And he, he says, you know, at the end of chapter 14, let us go from here. Let us go from here. And they start walking from the upper room. They start walking towards the city. Look at John chapter 15. Verse 1 says this. He said, I am the true vine. True vine. Let's pause right there for a moment because we just missed a couple of very important words. I am. Can you say that? I am. One more time. I am. As you say that, do you remember? Any other time in Scripture where you heard this I am? Do you mind going back to it now the first time that you heard it in Moses, right? You know, this is at the burning book, and God said, I am. And here we have Jesus. Is it coincidence? I am. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine. Verse 2, he cuts off every branch in me, that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. He says that as they're walking from the upper room toward the city. Now think about this. As they left the upper room, they're walking toward the city, and as they walk toward the city, they begin to take in the scenery. And they see the hillside, and on the hillside, there are tons of vineyards everywhere. And so Jesus uses this opportunity for an object lesson. As they look around and they see all of the vineyards, he takes advantage of this perfect visual aid of nature. And he starts on them again with a third and important principle. Holy Spirit, sir, we got it, foot washing. Holy Spirit, got it. And now, vine and branches. Now remember, they're walking and moving and living in the emotion of going from 12 to 11. They're now walking with one mission that had been with them the whole time. 
And Jesus begins to say these words. Put this together. They're walking without Jesus. They saw him run out of the room. What does that mean? Jesus said, someone will betray us. It's the one that I will give the bread. He broke his bread and gave it to Jesus. And he ran out. I'm not sure what all that means. The Lord Jesus began to say, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Could this be a coincidence? If they heard these words from Jesus, they probably didn't think so. They probably began to put two and two together. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Wow! Every branch that does bear fruit, he does what? He prunes. Look at your neighbor and say, I don't like the thing. I wish that it would have said, every branch that bears fruit, he dresses and leaves alone to have a wonderful life, taps you on the back, and just shows grace and mercy, and he just tells you how much he loves you. But it doesn't say that. Because every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. He prunes. Look at some words here in this scripture. You'll see a few that I want to bring to light. Number one, the vine. That's Jesus. The source. Come on. He's the beginning of everything. He's the origin. He's the source. That's who we have to be plugged into. The source. And then you see the branches. Well, those are the believers in Christ. Well, if you and I are believers whose life and growth depends on vital union with the life source, we're talking about the vine. We're talking about the branches who are connected in. And then the fruit. What is the fruit? The fruit is the believer's sign of spiritual life. It is a combined effort of vine and branch that produces the work of the Spirit through the believer, the vine, the branches, the fruit. And all our favorite part, what about the pruning? <laughs> Removing hindrances to fruit bearing. God is saying, I, I, I love it and I appreciate it that you're producing fruit. And guess what? The fact that you are producing some fruit means that you have the potential to produce so much more fruit. But you have to allow me to begin to prune away those things that hinder you. Come on, prune away those things that take your attention off of me. Prune away those things that begin to block the full power so that when those things, those twigs, those dead things are pruned away, now the full power of the source can go to the brain. Come on. And you don't have to share the full power that's destined for you with these other dead things that are going to block what I want to produce in and through you. Come on. He said, in and through you. He wants to do it both in and through you. He wants you to be full fruit. So we have to allow him to prove. He said, my father, really is the husband. God, our Father, He's the vineyard owner, the farmer who works the vineyard, watching over with great care and great consistency. That is the husband. 
trying to prove. You're connected to the source, but the full power is not coming to you. Because there's some dead trees. There's some things that are taking your attention. Come on. There's a relationship. There's a job. There's some television programs. There's some idols of all uh, degrees. There's some things that are more important in your life than God, and you're not allowing Him to prune those things out. Come on. Allow Him to prune them. Because you definitely don't want to be a fruitless brain. Come on. There are four potential fruit levels for belief. First of all, there are the, the, the no fruit believers. Now, this leads to judgment. The reality of some branches that are in the vine that just have no fruit at all, they are connected to the vine somehow, but they have no nourishment. Maybe they're just grabbing on, they're not really connected to get the power, they're just kind of hanging on at a distance, but you can't see the space in there because they look like a disciple. Come on. On the outside, they look like uh, a Christian. They talk like a Christian. But if they really were, the prayer would be there. Come on. They would, they would be connected to the source. So, can I just make a side note here? Stop arguing with people about what saved and all they saved and Jesus only and all of these other things. Because here's the thing about it. You may say, well, you know, if I'm once saved, always saved, I can just be connected to the Lord. I can come to the altar for sex, and then I can just go out and live how I want to live. Well, what I want to say is maybe your heart didn't really change. You just kind of snug it up and grab on like this to make it look like uh, you're a Christian. Because if you really became a Christian, come on, the Holy Spirit, the Father, is faithful. He's not going to let you run off. I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to let one of my kids just ball out in the street and I know about it. Come on, I don't care how they want to play. If they're really my kids, if really my child, I don't care how they turn their back on me, I'm going to go get them. Come on. And that's the, how much more do you think the father would do that? I know that's controversial on some circles, but I'm just telling you, the power of God is greater than the power of your sin. If he has your heart, come on. I'm just going to say, you probably were never saved in the first place. You just answered an altar call. You said some things with your mouth, and you shed some tears, and all of that was great. It is great. But if your heart is not changed, come on, then you're not connected to the source. And you touch us. He doesn't prove he cuts off every branch that's not connected to the source and not producing fruit. You don't want to be a no fruit believer. You want to be a believer who produces fruit. Come on. Why do you think Jesus takes that fig tree? Not producing fruit. Curse. You'll never do it again. Curse. And then you have the sun fruit believer. All of us have probably been here at some point. John 15, 2 and 3 says, Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Come on. You are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. This fruit is encouraged by the pruning process. You produce some fruit, and God says, let's do it. I want you to go up to the next level. I want you to produce more fruit. The process is pruning, which is the cutting away. Then necessary growth in order to encourage new fruit production. And then you have the much fruit believer. This leads to fulfillment. I'm talking about that lasting fruit believer. Fruitfulness is the goal of Christ for every believer. A life full with fruit, fervent, and ongoing 
fruitfulness. Fruitfulness is the result of a deep abiding in the running. He said, you did not choose me, but I chose you, John, in verse 16. I appointed you, now watch this now, please listen to this. But I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain. Pay attention to me Whatever you ask the Father in my name, He may give you. What happens sometimes when you run to the Lord and run to the altar and hear some great sermon uh, on faith and we go to our prayer closet and we go before the Lord and we confess the right things and we believe the right things and uh, we don't uh, obtain uh, or get the results that we were expecting? Is, is it my faith? What is it? You know, there's a key here that I really want to bring out. Let me just fix it to you again. I want to see if you can get it. He said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain common. Whatever, whatever you ask, the Father in my name, He will give you. How many times have we said it here? It is not magic, folks. We don't go before the Lord and say something three times and all of a sudden magically things appear. He's able to do it. Come on, we're talking about the Almighty God. Well, he's able to do it. But that's not the relationship He has with us. He said, I appointed you that you should go and get a fruit, that your fruit should remain. Now, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, He may give you. What's God telling you? Go and be productive, folks. Think about an investment that you might make. What are some of the first questions that you might ask? If I'm going to make an investment, brother, I'm going to say, well, how's it going? What, what has it done? What's, what's this? I mean, you go before those people on Shark Tank, they want to know, well, what you got? What's going on? You can't just wake up on the couch with an idea and say, yeah, I have this great idea. I don't have, you know, any money. I haven't talked to anybody or, or written, written it down on a piece of paper. I don't have any training, any schooling, nothing. I just had an idea. Everybody has an idea. You say, what are you doing? What have you done? What have you researched? Have you looked at renting a building? Have you looked at how to generate income? Have you put the product together? Have you market tested it? Come on. Do people even like this thing? Will people buy it before I invest in you? God is telling us not to say that thing, but in right now, He's saying, Go and produce. Don't just come before me asking, Lord, just give me this and give me that. You read it. I know it's kind of quiet. But He said, You did not choose me, but I chose you. We just read the scripture. I don't know. I'm not going by what he's reading scripture. He said, I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. That, that, you can say so that, that, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Why would he give you whatever you ask? Because he knows you will produce it. He knows you produce fruit. Why do you think Jesus called the parable about the price? It didn't mean nothing, it meant something to him. I want to know, when I come back, what have you done? Where's your hope? 
tell you right now, well, good, it's kind of scary. It's like, oh, well, that means before I can go to the altar and ask the Lord for anything to help in my life, I've got to go out and do something that can be free. Here's what I want to tell you. Take a student and, and take rest that you're connected to the church. If you're a bringer, and your your job is not to go out and think up all kinds of stuff and beat people up and to tell them to buy your product. Your job is to be connected to the source. If you're connected to the source, someone a branch on an apple tree, all you have to do is be connected to the source. Naturally, fruit's going to come up. The branch may not even know. Hey, look at these apples that are coming off of me. I'm producing fruit. Why? Because I'm connected to the source. Now that I'm connected to the source and I'm producing fruit, I can go back and say, source, can I have more uh, power to produce more fruit? Well, yes, I'll give it anything you want. You're connected, you're producing whatever you want, source. Because I get the glory. what the source is saying. So that God may get the glory. Why? How do you do that? What is the secret to all this? Well, we already said it. I am someone. I am the true vine. I am that name of God. I am that I am has great significance. We first heard it from Moses, Yahweh. I mean, I wasn't in Hebrew class, Brother Jim, but the, what is it, the, the judge, the witness, the Hebrew word, the Hebrew letter. You and Harry Vaughn Perry, like I was saying. Thank you, Brother Jim. You and Harry Vaughn Perry. And then, it was unpronounceable to us, so they threw some vowels in there, and we Yahweh, and what great to Jehovah, that's all the whole teaching, I'm sure. But what he was saying is, I am everything that you'll ever need. I will be everything that you need. Come on. I am that I am. Who, who am I going to tell? Tell them that me. Just tell them I am. I am that I am. There's no, there's no way I can explain it to you. I just am. And I love it when Jesus stood up before the Pharisees and they were talking about, look, well, you, you never like Moses. Come on, Moses was the man. I mean, Moses lifted his staff and read these titles. Come on, man. What, 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 what are you calling Jesus? Come on. I mean, you never like that. You, 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 I mean, Moses, he talked to a burning bush. He talked to Pharaoh. He turned his staff into snakes. I can tell you all kinds of things that Moses did. He said, look, let me tell you something. Moses did all that stuff. But before Moses was, I am. Come on. <laughs> before Moses was, I am. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about the Almighty God standing right in front of you, saying, I am. I will be everything that you need. Come on, you're out in the desert place and you need water, strike a rock. Because I'm your water provider. You hungry for bread? I'm the baker. Come on. I'm everything that you need. Your people, someone wants to kill all your people, I'll raise up a queen. I'm everything that you need. Come on, somebody. Uh, what happened? Your friend got left with you? Go tell him to duck in the river at seven times. I'm healing. I am healing. I'm not going to heal him. It's what I am. I'm everything that you would ever need. Come on, what do you need? What do you need? You need deliverance? You're caught up in something? Oh, listen, I'm delivering. Just come to me. Don't go to the 12-step program. It'll help you. I know. It'll you for a little while. But if you come to me, I am delivering. Come on. I'm talking about separation, deliverance. That's who I am. 
Jesus said, I am that I am. And I love it because in the Gospel of John, let me give you the seven I am that he, he told us in the Gospel of John. First of all, first of all, he said, I am the bread of life. That's in John chapter 6. I am the bread of life. I'm all the spiritual nourishment that you'll ever, ever need. I'm all of it. I'm the bread of life. And then he said, I am the light of the world. The world is in confusion. They can't see it because they're not looking at me. I'm the light. I'm the one that said, let there be light and reveal myself on the things. Come on. I'm the light of the world. It's over in John chapter 8. And in number 3, he said, I'm the door. You want in? You've got to come through me. Can't go no other way. I know... I know what Oprah said, I know what everybody said, there's many ways to Jesus and there are many ways to God and there's Allah and there's Buddha and there's all these things Jesus said. I don't know about all that, but if you want to get in, I'm the door. I'm the only door. Anyone else who's trying to be a thief, you trying to climb up the wall, come in some other way, you got to go through me. You got to go through me. It's the only only way. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one comes to the Father Except by me. And if that's non tolerance, it's just non tolerance. That's just what it is. You call it what you want. But he's the only one. I'm the door, he said. Number four, he said, I'm the good shepherd. Not only am I the door, but I'm the good shepherd. I will take care of you. I will leave the 99 to come get you. I'm the good shepherd. All the provisions for life you will ever need are in you. John chapter 10. The good shepherd gives his life for his sheep. And he said in John 14, 6, my favorite, I am the way, the truth, and the life. All the spiritual truth you will ever need. We speak truth. We want to go up onto the mountain. We want to read some books. And what is truth? We want to philosophize and talk with different people and come up with different groups to uh, go on TV and talk about it and have all in shows and try to figure out what is truth. And Jesus said, you can do all that stuff, but the only truth is me. I am. I don't just tell the truth. I don't lead you to the truth. I am the truth. There is no truth outside of Jesus. Come on. We're talking about the story. This is why the branch. We're going to say this is why the branch has to be connected to the source because he's everything. That's what I'm trying to tell you. You can't be connected to something else and produce fruit. You'll be cut off and thrown into the fire. Because I am the way the truth and the life. And then he said, "We just read, I am the vine. I am where your power comes from. All the grace and power you will ever need. I am it." John 15, 1. Not just in me, it is me. Who vine can try to tell a false vine? One goes to this body throwing in. If he says I'm the true vine, that must mean there's some false vines in the religion, human philosophy. Only way, folks. He's the only way. He's the only way. So now let's get to what I want to talk about. <laughs> I just want to get this out to you. Here's, here's, here's where we're going. I call this the secret of fruitfulness, but it's really not a secret, is it? I mean, if it's in the Bible, it's not a secret. God says you can read it. I guess we can call it the key to fruitfulness. 
And it's simply this. It's abiding in Christ. You don't get anything else out of all this. Understand that the secret to being fruitful is abiding in Christ. We talked about He is the source. We talked about He is everything that you'll ever need. He is the I am. In verse 4 of chapter 15, He said, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And I want to say something. Some might say, Boy, I mean, that sure is narrow minded, and uh, you know what? I just, I just don't like it. I like to keep an open mind and all of that. And you know, I would say to that that I've tried that enough. You can have your open mind when it comes to that. I'm not saying you're open-minded in other areas, but when it comes to the Lord Jesus Christ, you can have an open mind. Because if you spend time with Jesus, if you abide in Him, and He abides in you, all things are there for you to enjoy. Come on. There is a fullness, fullness of joy. He's in the presence of the Lord. See, why can't you tell that I go anywhere else? Why? We're just used to it. We're used to, uh, you know, so many, uh, you know, uh, decisions that we have to make and so many choices. You know, at some point, you get tired of so many choices. I don't know. I mean, if you're like me, I, maybe you love a lot of choices. There's some things I do like choices on. I, you know, I like to you know, be black or white or gray or, you know, I, I like that. But sometimes, I mean, sometimes you go to a restaurant and just, you just love chicken or, you know, fish. And that's it. Just give me those two choices and I can make a cookie. Don't tell me what's wrong with that. I can cook it this way. I can have these other things and this kind of salad. Great. Too many choices. I can't make up my mind. Just ask somebody today, go out to dinner with you and say, where are you About 20 minutes later, you'll figure out some place you didn't even want to go to in the first place. Sometimes you just like to I love it. Jesus just said, you don't have to make all these choices. You don't have to look all around the world. You don't have to eat bread and pray and go all the way around the world and try to figure out stuff. I'm right here. I'm the only choice you need. I've got it all. I did, I did all the research for you. I read all the books. I went to all the libraries. Wouldn't you like that? I did everything for you, and here it is. Come on. Abiding in Him. It's a word abide comes from the Greek word mineral means to continue in, to be, to last. Forever, enduring, everlasting. You know, it's not, it's not something that we do. We don't put on Christianity and take it off. We don't say, well, I'm going to be nice today, and but this other part of me came out the other day, and next week, I don't know how I'll be. No, it's, it's who we are. He says, abide in me, and I will abide in you. And abiding in Christ begins with a true, born again experience where your heart is given to Christ. That's what we're talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Once saved and always saved. It's all about giving you. It's the heart. You know, giving you everything. We can argue all the stuff externally as long as we want to. But we'll never know. Only God knows the heart. 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 Only God
13, 14, 15, I believe in the love chapter, I believe in speaking in tongues. Like, even in this evidence, uh, it's all good. I love uh, speaking in tongues. I love to say the language because sometimes we don't even know what we ought to pray for. Scripture says that. I love all of that stuff. But you know what? You speaking in tongues don't tell me that you have the Holy Spirit. Just tell me you can speak in tongues. I don't know if you, uh, you know, if you were faking or you, you know, heard somebody else. I used to do it when I was little. I had a pastor. He used to say, Eat the the Tyler. And I learned those words. Eat the the Tyler. I learned that from Ego Bird. And I never figured out speaking in tongues. And we go to church, I just they start speaking in tongues. I said, Eat the the Tyler. Ego Bird. You know. And that was it. Ego Bird. And, uh, you know, it's all about speaking in tongues. But here, here's the thing about it. You really, really, really want to know if someone has a spirit? Set down their fruit. Thank you very much. Set down their fruit. Somebody know the fruit? Anybody in the spirit? Love, joy, patience. That's right. Long suffering to one. Meekness, kindness, faithfulness. Goodness and self-control. Come on. And guess what? Those are not read the description of them. I haven't read all the versions of the Bible, but I know of most versions. It doesn't say these are the fruits of the spirit. This is the fruit of the spirit. All those together. So you really want to know you got the spirit. You need to go over Galatians 5.22. Now, that's a, that's a real thing. doesn't mean that you shouldn't speak in tongues. doesn't mean you can't just take one part of the Bible. But I'm telling you, that, look, the tree is known by it. Come on. That's how we'll know. Abiding in Christ, that means you continue to commune with Him. John 14.10, do you not believe that I am the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I speak, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me. I abide in Him, and He abides in me. Come on. He wants us to abide in Him. So if you want to know the secret to being fruitful, don't be afraid. Don't say, well, Lord, you're going to cut me off like you did Jesus because I'm not producing fruit. Just go back and make sure you're connected in with Him. Make sure that you are connected in 